So have you ever asked yourself, man, if a pastor has to preach on a Sunday morning, what happens if, what happens if they get sick like Saturday night, Sunday morning? You ever asked yourself that? Because you're about to see an answer. So for the last week, um, it's just worked its way through my family. And uh, so you knew it was coming, right? You knew it was coming. And I just was praying very hard that it wouldn't wait till this afternoon because I was preaching. And uh, you know how we say, because sometimes God says no. About eight, nine o'clock last night, God said no until about four o'clock this morning. And so um, uh, I ask you, I, I, I tell you that for a couple reasons. First uh, is if I'm terrible today, I've given you my excuse. Uh, secondly, uh, to let you know that, you know, one of the things that we usually say is, hey, my name is John. I get to be a teaching pastor here. I'm so glad that all of you are here. If you're a guest with us, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us. And we'd love to meet you uh, out there by the free coffee and cookies. And what I mean by that today is we really are so excited that you're here today. And Pastor Tim would love to meet you out by the coffee and cookies. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to stick him with my, uh, my, my sermon today. And I don't want to stick you with my sickness. So I'm kind of hiding out in the back, and uh, so I'm, I'm sorry about not being very social today. And everybody online, thanks for joining us online. Today you're like, we made the right choice. <laughs> <sighs> my goodness. Well, uh, to all my procrastinator friends out there, I know Pastor Tim already warned you, but uh, you know next week's Christmas, right? Yeah, you ready? Everybody's ready? Okay, good. Now, you know, there's something about this time of year, something about Christmas that just has it just those warm, fuzzy feelings. This feels really nice, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just, maybe it's because we live in Michigan, and we have to have some reason to like this time of year with all the snow and cold, and go, oh, well, it's Christmas. We need snow for cold, or we need snow for uh, Christmas, and everybody in Florida goes, no, you don't. I don't. But, you know, uh, maybe it's that you get together with friends and family. Maybe you love getting gifts and presents of your thing. Maybe it's the food. You know, special Christmas food. You know, cheesy potatoes, anybody? Yeah, I see. You know what I'm talking about, right? The ones with the cornflakes on top, right? That's not stuff you make just for a Tuesday night. Right? It's Christmas food. Now, let me ask if, if you are making that on a Tuesday night, why am I not at your house? That stuff is delicious. Anyway, so. Uh, you know, it's this time of year. There's all these special things. We get to spend lots of time with family and friends. And as we think back, and maybe there's even some Christmases past that really helped to kind of drive this idea of having hope and joy and peace and this warmth uh, that uh, is for you. And so what I'd ask you today is we start today as we continue this series, Christmas Remembered. What's that Christmas remembered for you that brings about that feeling of hope? What is that for you, that, that time of the past where you think about and you realize that it just brings you hope. So what's that Christmas remembered that does that for you? I'll be honest with you, when we start writing these messages, we spend a lot of time the week before, but we really start writing these in our, our minds for months, you know, as soon as we know we're, we're preaching on something. And so this question kind of has been rattling around my mind for a while. And I'll be honest with you, I've had a very hard time answering that. And I've had a hard time answering the question, and it's not just because, you know, all my Christmases past are somehow all flawed and failures. Now, I definitely have lots of memories of crazy Christmases where the family all decides to, you know, decide to hate each other instead of love each other and fight and all that kind of good stuff. And I know none of you know what that's like. <laughs> but I really feel like the reason why it's hard for me to think about that right now is just because right now I'm going through so much stuff. There's so much negative stuff, so much hopeless kind of stuff happening in my life right now. It's really hard to think about times that did have hope in them. Now here's the thing, I, my prayer is that that's not your, the case for you. My prayer is that you're able to think back and to remember Christmas's past and that hope that you can have from it. 
But I know enough of you. And I know enough of your stories to know that, well, sometimes we're all faced with kind of hopeless situations. The reality is that every person is faced with hopelessness. If we think about our world today, whether it's you know, the fires out west or another tragedy or another big monster storm, how many storms of the centuries are we going to have in one century? And you think about all the things that happen to our loved ones and to the things that are around us. I mean, it goes back all the way to the beginning of time. Now, for us, we believe that the very first man and woman were Adam and Eve. It goes back to them where they were given perfection and yet they ruined it with their sin and their choice to disobey God. And ever since then, hopelessness has been a part of our life story. Now let's be real, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we avoid hopelessness. One of the things that I always want to encourage us to is to only hold God to the promises that He actually promises. And just because we're believers in Jesus doesn't mean that everything goes perfect for us. See, even every Christian faces hopeless situations. Maybe for you, it's that that test result just came back and it's not what you wanted to hear. Maybe for you, it's no matter how much you do or how hard you pray, that loved one of yours, their health just doesn't get better. Maybe it's your marriage and it's just disintegrating in front of you and you just wonder how the kids are going to handle it. Maybe it's your job and you're just wondering what's going to come of it and what's going to happen after the new year. Maybe it's your addiction that just seems to continue to have control over you rather than you having control over it. Maybe it's a relationship that just keeps falling apart because of past issues and harsh words that were said and forgiveness that just can't seem to be brought about. What is it for you? And here's the thing, I pray that it's not something that you're going through right now, but I can guarantee you is that you've been through times of this. You're either going through right now or you might step into this. And so as we look at this time of year, here's the thing. We have, we have spent some great time uh, setting up a Christmas season with this Christmas Remembered sermon series. Pastor Craig did an awesome job kicking off with the places, right, Bethlehem, and, and realizing the place of the story and why that matters and why that has an impact on us today. Pastor Tim did a great job last week looking at the people and what is it that God continues to show us even in those parts of the story. And so today, even though you're like, well, John, this is nice and warm and fuzzy Christmas, talking about hopelessness, that's great. You may be sick, but we're not. Uh, but it's the reality of this time of year is that even in this, even in our struggles, even in our hopelessness, there is a message in the Christmas story for that as well. And here's the thing, for me, I know I struggle with when I, I feel hopeless and there's hopeless things happening around me is my answer is to try and control it, to try and do everything that I can. You can ask Pastor Tim how many times in the last few weeks I've looked at him and gone, yeah, I, I can't control this. I'm just giving it over to God because I got nothing. But what happens is even if I control something, it seems like for a little bit it gives me some hope and then it just seems to fall apart in my grasp. So what I ask you is, where have you misplaced hope? When you're looking at those hopeless situations around you, the things that you're struggling with, where do you misplace your hope? Maybe it's control like me. Maybe it's in your finances or your um, security and safety. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's even in your personality and you feel like you can just talk your way out of anything. But what is it for you where you misplace your hope? Because I can promise you, as we look at the Christmas story today, as we spend some time diving in 
to an aspect of the Christmas story that maybe you just don't normally look at, maybe you don't really spend a lot of time looking at, we're going to see that there is a promise, a promise that you and I and every single person needs that God is offering in the Christmas story, a promise of hope. Now, if you guys notice that you know, the Advent calendar, it seems to open up on each day that we're preaching. Did you notice that? I just love the thoughtfulness. Love the thoughtfulness of our stage team. But we all need a promise of hope. We all need it. Not just in this room, but even outside of this room. And so as we look at the Christmas story, as we think about what God has done for us, I pray that it not only challenges us and encourages us today, but then challenges us as we live our lives outside of this place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to see through some Old Testament and some New Testament passages, what we've been doing throughout this whole thing is seeing how God has had a plan and a purpose and a promise for us from the very beginning. And so today we're going to take a look at a few different characters from the Old Testament and see how God had a promise of hope for us through them. So today we're going to start off with uh, Abraham. And so we're going to look at that. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're going to take out your Bibles, we're going to be playing like... Bible Olympics today. You're going to be jumping back and forth. Uh, we have quite a few different texts. Uh, if you have your phone out, feel free to open up your Bible app or go on Facebook, whatever you do. Just kidding, Al. Just kidding. You're right there, man. I tell you. So, first one is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3 on page 8. So, we're going to look at Abraham. Now, in this, uh, we're actually looking at a period of his life where his name was still Abram. So, God eventually changed his name to Abraham. And we can connect our lineage all the way back to Abraham. We can see that he uh, is where we all eventually came from, right? We have Adam and Eve, but there's these points in time where our faith life and our faith history kind of shows us a lineage as well. And so, we see a lot of that in Abraham. And what we're going to see is we're going to see that God, all the way back in Genesis, the very first book of our family story, God giving a promise, a promise of hope. And so we see this in 1, one through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be A blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if if you haven't read the the first part of his story, you don't quite realize how enormous of a promise this is to Abraham. See, at this period of his life, Abraham and his wife, they they were so old, they never thought they were going to have kids. They were way past the age of having kids, so they had no children at this point, yet God is promising that he would be the father of a nation. Now, really, most people would look and see their situation at the time and think it was hopeless. Abraham and his wife thought it was hopeless to the point that they actually tried to take matters into their own hands and tried to fulfill God's promise for him. But see, God doesn't fail on his promises. God doesn't let us down when he promises something he follows through. And so what I want us to see now is as we then dive into the Christmas story, we see that this was not just a promise for a people then. This was not just a promise for Abraham to promise him offspring. This was a promise, as it says, that will bless all the families of the earth forever. So as we look at our next text, it's Matthew chapter 1, verses 1, the very beginning. It's on page 807. So now we're jumping into the New Testament, right? Jumping in the very first verse of the New Testament. 
And what we're going to see here is we're going to see a genealogy of Jesus. Now, genealogy of, uh, genealogy of Jesus simply is a list of names of uh, those that have gone before him, his forefathers, his ancestors. And unlike some other pastors, I have no problem teaching on a list of names. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do today. Now, this, is, this may be one of those verses that you really do. You just kind of read over real quick because you're trying to get to like the better stuff of the Christmas story. But this one's really interesting to me. We look at one verse one. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See, this wasn't just about connecting Jesus to people. This was about the fact that what was about to happen, Jesus being born, his story was connecting him to the promise that God had given to Abraham. So many generations before, so many years before, God had made it clear that there was a promise, a promise of hope to come. In a world of hopelessness and, and, and struggles and wondering what's about to come. I mean, you read what God told Abraham. He said to leave the land of his father, to leave all this, and to go and start something new. Something he didn't know if it was going to happen. And what did God do? He, God promised hope. So we see in this simple verse that Jesus was not just about Jesus coming. It was about Jesus fulfilling the promise of God all the way from Abraham. And our God is so faithful and so good to us that he didn't stop there. He didn't just promise one time and go, well, I hope they remember. But all throughout the Old Testament, he reminds us of his promise. And we see even here, it mentions David. And so that's our next one we're going to see is how God made a promise of hope through David. And so for that, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel is maybe a book you don't turn to very often. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this is where God is giving a message to David. And you may remember David. David was a shepherd boy that fought Goliath. David was a king over God's people. He's a very simple guy. He was, well, let's be honest, he was messed up like all of us. He had his sins, he had his failures. Abraham, same thing. So these were not anything about, it wasn't about them. It wasn't that there was something special about them. It was that God had a purpose and a plan, and he was going to work even through some broken vessels like them, like us. And so what we see is we see the promise to David. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. I mean, God's laying it out, right? There's no reason, David, that you should have went from being a shepherd to being king over my people. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time when I, that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will dis discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, who I, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Again, this wasn't just about promising to David that he was going to have some offspring, that he was going to have some children, that they were going to do some good things. This was about a promise that goes far beyond David. 
Just as it went far beyond Abraham, this is a promise that goes far beyond David. We can see that over and over again, his words of forever and forever and forever. This was a big deal. This was about connecting God's promise throughout all the generations. And we see it. We see it as then the angel appears to Mary and talks to her. That this was not a promise just for back then. And they needed this promise. David and his people needed this promise from God as they went through trial and trouble and turmoil and just tragedy and struggle. They needed this promise from God. But it wasn't just about the right there and the right then. It wasn't even about just protecting David. I mean, if you saw, he was still going to go through things. It says when he lies down with his father. That was God's nice way of going, David, when you kick the bucket, right? He's going to die just like you and me. He doesn't get away from all the hopelessness of this world. But God was going to do something bigger. And we see that then in our next text in Luke. In Luke chapter 2, you know the next slide for me, please. Or, sorry, chapter 1. <laughs> chapter 1, verses 30 to 33 on page 855. And we see that when Mary is visited by the angel, that this was not just a message for Dave and his people, just as it wasn't just a message for Abraham and his people at that time, but it was a message to carry a promise of hope from generation to generation. So we see it in verse 30. It says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so what we see is we see a, a God who loves us so very much that he has a promise over and over again that is now fulfilled at Christmas. See, it wasn't just about Jesus being born. It wasn't just about, you know, well, I guess I need to figure something out now, now that they've just messed things up enough. No, see, God had had a promise from the very beginning, a plan from the very beginning to bring hope to a hopeless situation. And he brought it through Abraham, and he brought it through David, but I want you to see, I want you to pick up, because he kept using those words forever. See, because it's not just through them. We have a world that is faced with hopelessness. And they keep grasping onto things over and over again, hoping that it brings them some hope, hoping that it will just fix what's been so broken for so long, and then when they look in their grasp, it's just falling apart again. And that's why it's not just about bringing the hope to, to Abraham and to his people then. It wasn't about bringing hope to David and his people then. And it wasn't even just about bringing hope to you and to me today. See, God wants to give that, deliver that promise of hope to all people through you and through me. Amen. And we see that when we look back at just a couple of sections of that text. If we go to the next slide, it, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That means that you still live in that reign. You still live as a part of the kingdom of Jesus. You are still a part of David's kingdom that God said, I will establish and I will keep around forever. That is part of your legacy. That is part of what you get to live in day in and day out. And whatever you face and whatever you go through, that is a part of you. And I will bless you when he told Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That wasn't just a promise then. It says all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a forever promise. 
And so for me and for you, what does this do? This reminds us that it doesn't stop with Abraham or David. It doesn't even stop at Christmas 2,000 years ago. It continues in and through us today. As we get to live in the reality that we are a part of these kingdoms, we are a part of Jesus' reign, we are a part of bringing peace and blessing to all the families of earth. So as we live in this new hope that we have, and again, I don't know what you're facing, I don't know what you're going through, and maybe it's something you've been through, maybe it's something you're going through, it's about to step into. What challenges us, what encourages us, is that we get to live in it and walk through it in hope. Hope is what differentiates us from everybody else. True hope, real hope, hope that comes from God. And let me tell you, the hope that comes from God is powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful to change your life radically. It's powerful enough to change our world forever. That hope that comes from God, it's hope that humbles us. It humbles us because I want you to realize as we read those texts over and over again, it wasn't, well, the people who are good enough... The people who I deem that are strong enough, they're going to carry it out. They're going to be a part of this reign forever. No, just people, you and me, we're a part of this. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're worth it. It has to do with the fact that God thinks we're worth it. God makes us worth it. His value of me and his value of you is what makes us worth it. So when we think about this hope, it should humble us. It should should make us think, wow. Even in my times of hopelessness, even in my struggles, I'm able to cling on to this hope that I don't deserve and that God has been planning for me from the very beginning. He made that promise to Abraham. He made that promise to David. He fulfilled that promise in Jesus. And he still reminds me of that promise and offers it to me, that hope to me today and always. His hope also heals us. It brings healing to the the hardships and the trials and the troubles that we've had when people have so willingly placed their hurt and their burdens on us and we wonder how we're going to handle it. His hope is what brings us healing. It's what helps us. His hope is what helps us endure through the times and the trials and the troubles of this world. It's what allows us to continue to face the day and know that there is a bigger purpose and plan in it all and a promise of hope that will endure. And that's why his hope is also what holds us. It's also what holds us in our faith. It's what holds us as we struggle, as we wonder what's around the next corner. It's what holds us as we look forward to this Christmas. It's what we hold on to, this hope. But more importantly, it's what holds on to us. And again, this is not a new idea. This isn't something that just came around even with Abraham and David. It's not something that came around even just with you and me. This promise of Jesus, this promise that there would be hope to hold on to, that there would be an end to the reign of hopelessness, has been promised since the very beginning. So even if we go back even further to our history, back to Genesis chapter 3, that's the very first Book of our Bible, we're going all the way back. In Genesis chapter 3 is where we see first man and the first woman, well, they, they reject God. He has a perfect plan and perfect life laid out for them, and it still wasn't enough. They get deceived by the serpent, by Satan himself. They get deceived in thinking that there was, there was something more to be had. 
And so they choose. They choose to break God's command. They choose to go against him. They choose to choose something for themselves that wasn't what was good for them. And this is what God says. This is what God says in the midst of this hopeless situation. This is Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right here we see God's very promise of hope from the beginning. Now we may read this and we may think, oh, God's just really ticked off at this, the serpent right now. Of course, snake's got to be on, the, on his belly for the rest of his life. That's great. But that's not what this was about. All right, what does he say? He says, I will put enmity between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head. This was God saying, there will be an end to your reign of deceit. There will be an end to your reign of lies. There will be an end of your reign of hopelessness. What you have now created, there will be an end, and he will be the one that ends it. Her offspring, Jesus, the one that will come, will bruise your head and will no longer allow you to lead this world down that path. There will be hope restored. There will be a new life that is brought about because of her offspring, because of Jesus. This has been the plan from the very beginning. I want you to think about that. That is the love that our God has for his people, for his creation. From the very beginning when we have turned against him. And guess what? It wasn't just Adam and Eve. You and I continue to turn against God. We continue to try and do things our own way, even though he's begging and pleading and saying, look, here's my commands. It's because that's what's best for you. Yet we continue to turn against him. And yet from the very beginning of that, he had a plan to bring us back to a place of hope. And I know sometimes maybe that's kind of hard to connect ourselves with. I mean, they got a maybe yeah, was a long time ago. That's nice. Abraham, David, that's a long time ago. Uh, something happened a couple months ago where, um, because I grew up without my dad and I didn't, wasn't around his family, I always had those questions, you know, people would ask you, oh, where's your family line from? You know, what are your, what's your nationalities and all that? And I would always say, 50% of me is a mystery. <laughs> I don't know. I, didn't, I don't know. And so I finally decided to do one of those DNA tests. So I did a 23andMe uh, DNA test just to see. I'm just curious. I want to see. So this is me. Very European. Surprise. That's me. But what was interesting to me, I mean, it was great to finally have those answers, to kind of finally know a little bit more of who I was, uh, at least genetically. But the thing that really intrigued me the most when taking this was actually the science behind it. So as, as you dig in, as you, you kind of uh, look at the different pieces of this, you can see how detailed it gets. And what I love is that it goes all the way back to the beginning. And so when you look at my paternal line, here's what it says. It says, the stories of all of our paternal lines, all of us, can be traced back over, now they say 275,000 years, to just one man, the common ancestor of haplogroup A. Here's what it says about my maternal line. It says, the stories of all of our, or no, go to the next slide, sorry. If every person living today could trace his or her maternal line back over thousands of generations, all of our lines would meet at a single woman who lived in Eastern Africa. 
You know what's intriguing to me about that? And here's the thing, this isn't God's word. I, I, I don't need this to, to like, defend God's word. I believe God's word. That's what gives me hope and a promise. But what was really interesting to me to read this was it's not like they looked at my DNA and they said, everybody but you. <laughs> I wasn't some weird anomaly. This is my story, all the way down to my DNA. You can tell, this is my story. I come from the same man and the same woman that you do. And guess what that means? For, I get it. For them, they have a different way of believing this. They have a different way of trying to understand. And so they come up with this, this story that, well, there was one man and one woman that we all come from, but there was other men and women at the time. All their ancestors just died off, and we, we made it. Yay, we're strongest. All right? That's not what we believe, right? What we believe is what the Bible says. It came from Adam and Eve, and... and what this does for me, though, it says down to my DNA, down to my genetics, it proves the point. This promise to them was also for me. This promise that he gave to Adam and Eve from the very beginning wasn't something that was just a nice idea. It's not something that I just like to hold on to. Is oh, it's so nice to think that maybe I can have hope too. No, I have hope. I'm from them. That promise that he gave them, that promise that he gave Abraham, that promise that he gave David, that is part of my lineage, that is part of my ancestry, that is my promise of hope that I can hold on to. That's for me, not just for us, it's for me. So this Christmas, as we spend some time thinking about Christmas's past, as we think about where does hope come from, I go back to that first question I asked you. Is what Christmas remember gives you hope? I had a hard time answering that. But you know what Christmas gives me hope? This one. This one. Because even though I'm facing some really difficult things right now, even though I'm going through some stuff, it's this Christmas yet again where I'm reminded that I'm part of the promise. I've been promised a hope that goes beyond all hope. It's a hope that humbles me, but it heals me, it helps me, and it holds me. And my prayer for you is that you have some incredible histories past, Christmas's past that you can hold on to. My prayer for you is that you can look to Christmas's present, and Christmas is yet to come as continued reminders of a promise that was given to you, to you, so that you can hold on so that you can enjoy life, so you can be healed and made whole again in and through whatever you might face. And here's what I want to offer you. Again, God's Word is where we find our hope and our assurance. But I'll tell you, it was just really interesting to me to see that my DNA proves that His promises for me too, to see it in black and white. So here's the thing I have. Uh, now, Amazon let us down. They're supposed to deliver them yesterday. But uh, I've ordered three of these kits and given away one at each service. And here's what I'd ask you to do is the first person that comes up and just lets one of the prayer partners know, uh, they'll let the, um, and they're finding this out right now, surprise, uh, but they'll let the uh, uh, Connection Center know and we'll get that to you this week. Because here's what I'd like to do for you. Maybe if you're in a place right now where you're just struggling, maybe if you're in a place right now where you're going through a lot and it would just be really and it would be a blessing to you to be able to see in black and white too that you're not some anomaly. That this promise really is for you. I'd like to offer that to you. So the first person that comes and talks to one of our prayer partners and asks for that, we'll get that to you this week. Sound good? Sound good. Let's pray.
Father God, I just come to you so grateful, God, that you are so gracious to us. God, we are sinners, and we struggle day in and day out, knowing that we continue to make mistakes, and yet, God, you are so good. God, you've given us a promise that helps us to endure, and so, God, I, I pray. I pray that as we endure this life, as we walk through whatever we might be facing, God, that your promise of hope be what carries us. God, may it be what heals us and holds us and allows us to see that you, you are our God and you have a purpose beyond all purposes. God, as we walk into this Christmas season, God, may we be encouraged by this hope yet again, by this promise of hope given to us from the very beginning. And may we live in this hope. And as we live in this hope, God, may it change the world around us. God, may we continue to be a blessing to every family of the earth. God, you told us, you told us that it'll be our hope that people find so amazing. It's going to be our hope in times of trials and troubles that people are going to ask us. Why do you have hope and how can you have hope? God, we know it. We know that we're going to struggle, but God, may we have hope even in the midst of it all. And may that hope be what carries us, but may it also be what carries this world and what changes this world so that more and more would be able to be a part of your promise. God, thank you. Thank you that we get to celebrate every single year the fulfillment and the coming of your promise in Jesus. So now, God, stir in our hearts an excitement and enthusiasm that maybe wasn't there before as we get to re-celebrate this yet again next week and enjoy a promise only found in you, a promise of hope, of real hope. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.